Today's gospel comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 36 to 44. But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be coming the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake I would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Happy New Year. This is the first Sunday of the Christian year. Christians around the world always begin with Advent. It's the first Sunday of the liturgical calendar. And it goes through Advent, this, the preparation for the, the coming one. Christmas, the celebration of, of Jesus, the Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And then the season of Epiphany where God in Christ is revealed. And through the season of Lent, through the season of Easter and Pentecost, and then back to Advent again. The very first scripture that is read to the Church of Jesus in Advent from the lectionary is the text of Isaiah. And Isaiah has a word for the church and a word for us that is timeless. But before we get into the actual good news, that Isaiah brings, let's look at the context, the geopolitical context into which Isaiah speaks. There was a war that was happening between Assyria, the empire of Assyria, and the northern kingdom of Israel, and the kingdom of Damascus, in Syria. It was the Syro-Ephraimatic War of 734 to 732. Those players were not only fighting each other, but they were trying to get other countries to fight alongside with them. And they were both hoping that the kingdom of Judah would fight with them. And so Syria and northern Israel were trying to convince the king of Judah to fight with them against the Assyrians. Who are you rooting for? Whose side are you on? Isn't that interesting that at that time, 
That was a world war. And people were fiercely on either side, and now we're not even sure who those players are. Time does have a way of putting war in the context of maybe it is not as important as we thought it was. So the king doesn't know what to do. He calls up the prophet. Do you think they did that back then? Probably not. He says, Isaiah, I need your help. Isaiah comes in, and he shares a vision with the king of Judah that helps guide the king to know what is best to do. And Isaiah says this, when we are in the flow of God, everyone on the planet will worship together. God will be the arbiter and judge, i.e. God will listen to all people, not just the faithful Jews at that time, but God would listen to everyone's plight, everyone's problems, everyone's disagreements, and God would be the judge, i.e., king, don't worry about it. You don't need to be the judge on this. Let God do the judging. And we who are followers of Jesus know that Jesus was the face of God, the creator, and that God judges with nothing but love. Isaiah says, when we are in the flow of God, not only will everyone be worshiping God, all the rivers of the world will flow to the high, high mountain where the Lord God is worshipped. But people will take their swords, melt them down, and beat them into plowshares, make them into plows to till the soil. When we are in the flow of God, people will take their spears, melt them down, and tune uh, turn them into pruning hooks, which will help bring fruit from the earth when we are in the flow of God. There's a couple pictures that might uh, be an image that is helpful for this. Have any of you visited the United Nations? This statue is right outside the UN General Assembly in New York City. And it is a picture of making a sword into a plowshare. There's another angle of this that is a silhouette, and you can see this illustration from the Isaiah text of swords being made into plowshares. Let's go to the next one. Now, these, these folks you may uh, recognize. Some of them are your kids and your grandkids. We brought a group. I, I see Amanda's here. Amanda's in that picture. This is when we brought the group of young people to Tezay, and uh, we visited the World Council of Churches in Geneva, which is an organization that tries to bring together all of the disparate denominations of Christians to find common ground and to work together for the common good of all people. Here's another picture that is a little bit uh, better close up. You can see some of those familiar faces. It was a wonderful experience for us to meet some of the leaders of the world church uh, 
before we went to Taze, which is also in a very humble way, trying to bring together different parts of the body of Christ, different Christians from all over the world to worship together, to learn that we are really, when we are in the flow, we are in one family. When we were there, we visited their chapel. In their chapel is, is a cross. This cross, you can't really see it from this picture, but it is made from shrapnel. It is made from shrapnel of bombs that were dropped on the Coventry Cathedral in England and bombs that were dropped on Dresden in Germany. Since the Second World War, Dresden, the city of Dresden and the city of Coventry, England, have become sister cities. And they have very high-profile meetings together of reconciliation where they share their pain, their wounds, their losses, offer one another signs of peace, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Out of those conversations has come this particular cross of shrapnel that destroyed the city of Coventry and destroyed the city of Dresden. This is a great metaphor of taking swords and making them into plowshares, taking something that was used for destruction and making it into something that communicates love and life and hope. We also saw in the chapel at the World Council of Churches in Geneva this particular candle stand. This candle stand was made out of a shell that was about that big, a shell casing. And the artist cut it open and made it into a cross that reflects the light of the candle. A great metaphor for what it is to turn swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. These are metaphors that point us to something deeper. Always something deeper. Followers of Jesus, we recognize the beginning of Advent by lighting the candle of peace. And I sense we are, we are longing for peace. Maybe that's what's brought us here to this sanctuary today. Because we know that we need God's help for peace in our families, for peace in our neighborhoods, for peace in our church, for peace in our denomination, for peace in our country, for peace in our world. And we know that we can't just conjure that up. We need God's help, the Prince of Peace, who might just hear our prayers so that we might be vessels of peace. This next week we will have opportunities to breathe peace. Have you ever breathed peace? <laughs> okay, so picture this. You're in a stressful situation. Maybe it's the stress of waiting online with frenetic shoppers. Have any of you been there this past week? 
or perhaps you're on a bus where people are getting stressed out, or perhaps you're on a plane and you're sitting next to someone who's not at peace and doesn't know how to be comfortable in their own skin, and so they make small talk the whole flight. Or perhaps it's a workplace where things are tense because we're getting to the end of the year and we're looking at the bottom line and we're looking at are we going to make budget. Or perhaps it's just sitting at our own table where we're stressed out with people we love. Breathing peace is something like this. Nobody needs to know you're doing it. It's a breath prayer. You breathe in God's peace. And you breathe out God's peace. And no one knows what you're doing, but it makes a difference. If for no one else, then you and me. To breathe in God's peace. Let's do it right now. Just breathe in God's peace. Take a deep breath. And breathe out God's peace. Breathe in God's peace. And breathe out God's peace. Sometimes it helps to take a deep breath because most of our anxious breathing is very shallow. It's only the top third of our lungs. When we breathe deep, we fill the bottom two-thirds of our lungs and that's what gives us energy and life and real breath. The good news of Isaiah... And the good news of Jesus is that God's peace is for everyone. This may help us discern what is God's will in Christian theology and what is not. If it's not good news for everyone, it's really not good news. The scriptures that Kate read today are good news for everyone. And it is a hope for peace that God has for all of us and for the whole world. Peace be with you. Amen.